It is a pleasure to be here with you. Let's start off with a reading from 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1, we're going to read the whole chapter. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon with our hands, um, have handled concerning the word of life, The life was manifest and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard we declare to you, that you also may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. This is a message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time together. Thank you for the worship and for your presence here and for the ways in which you've already spoken to us. And Father, as we take a look at your word, we just pray that you would continue to move in our midst. I pray, Father, that I would get out of the way and that we would see Jesus. And we pray that you would move in a mighty way in our midst, speak to our hearts. Only you can possibly minister to each one of us at the same time. And so we place this time in your hands. We look to you to bless us, and we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Gave me a control and I forgot all about it. So over the next couple weeks, we're kind of focusing on John chapter 5 and verse 13, and it says this, These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. So that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may continue to believe these things I have written to you. And I believe that this verse isn't about just the previous verses, but about the whole book that John was writing to them so that they would just believe. Let me tell you a story. When I first came to know the Lord, I had some struggles. Um, I thought that at some point I was going to do some sin that was going to irritate God so badly that he was going to take salvation away from me. And so basically I was walking in fear. And I was reading a book about sharing my faith. 
And one of the first chapters in this book, I can't even remember what the name of the book was, but one of the first chapters in this book said, how can you share something that you're uncertain about? And it, and it pointed me to 1 John chapter 5 and verse 13, where it says, these things I have written to you so that you will know that you have eternal life. A little bit about me that's not in my bio. Many, many years ago, I used to be a door-to-door salesman for uh, vacuum cleaners. And it didn't last long. Um, I was horrible. And one of the reasons that I was horrible is because I couldn't convince myself. Now, if you have one, don't take this the wrong way. Okay, I'm not criticizing you. But for me... I couldn't convince myself that a $2,000 vacuum, like I couldn't buy one myself, right? Because I have a $100, $150 vacuum at home, and it does the job as far as I'm concerned. And so I couldn't convince myself that a $2,000 vacuum was worth your money, so I couldn't sell it. Like I would go to people's homes, and I, would do, I had the whole demonstration memorized, but I couldn't sell the vacuum because to me, I was telling a lie, right? And so for me to be able to tell somebody about Jesus, I have to be convinced myself. If this is not the best news that I've ever heard before, how am I going to tell somebody else that they need Jesus? And so over the next couple of weeks, we're just going to take a look at a couple of areas for us to think about, to convince ourselves or remind ourselves that it is so. That we are safe and secure in the hands of God. Okay? So today is, uh, the message for today is about how can I know if I keep on sinning. Actually, I wanted, you guys don't know me, so I was afraid of how you're going to react. Um, But the sermon title that I wanted to put there was, how can I know since I'm broken? That's what I really wanted to call it. Because some days I feel better, but some days my sin overwhelms me. See, I've been walking for the Lord now, with the Lord now for some 30 years. And I really hoped by now that things would have been better. I really hoped that I would have overcome sin in my life. Or at least the majority. Maybe I'd sin once a month or maybe once every six months. So I hoped things would be better. And it's not as good as what I hoped it would be. And some days it's, there's too much than what I want. And sometimes it's the same silly sin over and over again, and I just don't understand why I can't conquer that sin. So I've kind of overcome the first problem, but I find myself in the second place, with the second problem. So whether you've come this morning and you're struggling with the first one, wondering, you know, What can I do that maybe God's going to take it away from me? Or maybe you've come this morning and maybe you've had a horrible week. I'm just struggling with sin. We're going to take a look, unpack the passage, 
and see where, uh, what the scriptures have to tell us. Sorry. I didn't go uh, flip the switch. So, the goal is fellowship. We start with fellowship. Um, 1 John 1, uh, verse 3. So that which we've seen and heard, we declare to you that you may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. So first of all, what he's saying is that that which we've seen and which we've heard, we declare to you. So we're not telling you something that we haven't heard, we haven't seen, something we haven't known nothing about. It's something that we've experienced. Going back to my vacuum story, I couldn't sell the vacuum because I didn't believe it. So what John's saying is the very thing that we've experienced, that's what we're telling you about. We know it to be true because we've experienced it ourselves. And so that's what we have, what we share. The basis of our fellowship is our common experience. So when we talk about fellowship, Fellowship is about sharing in that common experience. The other thing the passage talks about is that, that you also may have fellowship with us, so it's a fellowship among ourselves, but that our fellowship is with the Father. So they go together. Our, the only reason you and I can have fellowship is because it's based on our fellowship with the Father. Sometimes I think, and it's not about, I don't know what you guys do here, but as a church in general, I think we cheapen fellowship. So, talking about, I, I attend Westview, I don't know, I'm assuming it tells, says so in my bio, um, I attend Westview. So when we do lunch in the gym after church, we call it fellowship. Let's come into the gym and we're going to have fellowship after church. So having a, ch a sandwich in the gym after ch church is not fellowship. Well, it could be fellowship, but just because you're having a sandwich doesn't make it fellowship. Fellowship is much more than having a sandwich. If you were to ask my dad, um, fellowship is all about talking about the weather. He would actually call me and fight with me on the phone because he was watching the Weather Channel, and the Weather Channel said it was a certain temperature, or one day he told me it was raining, and I said, no, it's not raining, Dad. He goes, it's raining because the Weather Channel told me so. So fellowship for my dad was talking about the weather. But fellowship for us needs to be communing around what God has done for us. That's what fellowship is all about. The word actually in Greek is uh, konoia, kon, kononia, sorry. Um, so, if you uh, will turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And verse 16. I'll read what, so I'm using the New King James. Um, 
And it's not that I think the New King James is better, it's just my preferred. Um, but the cup of the blessing, of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the bl- uh, body of Christ? So in my passage, it talks about communion. Okay? If you have, if you just have the King James, it'll talk about communion as well. If you have a New American Standard, it'll actually use the word sharing. Okay? And if you have NIV, it'll actually use the participation. And really, I wanted to use this, this verse because all three of those words describe what fellowship is about. So fellowship is about participating together, it's about communion, and it's about sharing. It's far more than just having a sandwich. A couple more verses just for us to take a quick look at. Uh, Romans 15.26. Let's just do that one. So this is an interesting one. Uh, 15.26. For it pleased those from Macedonia and Achaia to make a certain contribution for the poor among the saints who are in Jerusalem. So the word there where it says contribution actually isn't contribution. It's fellowship. Because they were sharing together. That's what fellowship means. It's far deeper than having a cup of coffee and chatting about the weather. So, do we actually have fellowship? Or do we talk about it? Um, At Westview, I was talking about Westview earlier, we have what we call lemonade on the lawn after church, and we call it a time of fellowship. It could be. I can guarantee you most of the people that go outside for lemonade on the lawn do not have fellowship because it's a whole lot deeper. So who do you have fellowship with? So fellowship requires light. We're going to read verses 6 and 7, going back to the passage. If we say that we have fellowship, fellowship with him, and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. So, I've heard some people take a twist on this passage that isn't correct. I've heard some people say that to walk in the light means that you live a more holy life. Okay? That all of a sudden the sin in your life is diminished or possibly even disappeared. Um, the only problem is that it says that if you walk in the light and you have fellowship with one another, and it says that the blood of Jesus then 
cleanses you from all sin. So if walking in the light means that the sin has disappeared, then how can the blood of Jesus then cleanse you from all sin? So walking in the light means that we're walking in clarity. Let me give you an example. Uh, I sleep on the wrong side of the bed, which means that I usually wake up on the wrong side of the bed. Um, You heard the expression, happy wife, happy life. So the way our room's set up, the bathroom in our room is on my wife's side of the bed. So when I wake up in the middle of the night, I have to walk around in the dark. And uh, in the beginning, I would either stub my toe or hit my shin against either the end of the bed or the, the dresser as I'm trying to maneuver myself around to get to the bathroom. Now I've got this technique where I walk around like this until I get to the bathroom. So what's the issue? Why can't I get to the bathroom without hitting myself? Because it's dark and I can't see. Right? I would, well, I won't say I'd never do it during the day, but less possible during the day because I'm accident prone, so it still happens. Um, So the light comes to bring clarity. Right? So when we, part of having fellowship with God means that we're walking in light. The passage that we read this morning, I'm going back to uh, John chapter 3. And we can flip this one because it says that if we walk in darkness, we say we have fellowship with him, we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his his son, cleanses us from uh, from all sin. So John chapter 3 And we read this morning, starting in verse 16. I'm going to start reading in verse 19, though. And this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates light and does does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be, may be clearly seen, that they have done, been done in God. So the light reveals how we're living. It exposes sin. I have a cousin. Years ago, I tried to, well, I didn't, I shared Christ with him. Now, he lives a very uh, worldly life. Every weekend was a different woman. He had drugs that he would do all the time. And he said to me, he goes, "If I," I said, Jesus wants to offer you salvation. And he said, if I accept Jesus, does that mean I'm going to have to give this all up? And I said, listen, receive Jesus. 
He loves you. And then let Jesus work in your heart. Let him transform you. Just, just receive Jesus. He goes, I already know. I know that God doesn't want me to have women, all different kinds of women. I know that God doesn't want me to do drugs. And he said, I don't want to give it up. So I'm not going to accept this Jesus. So every time I read this passage in John chapter 3, it reminds me of my cousin who breaks my heart because he knows the truth and chooses darkness over light because he doesn't want the darkness in his life to be revealed. Okay? We as Christians, because of our fellowship with the Father, have light, and that light is going to reveal things. Light reveals sin. Just as it said in First John, or sorry, in John chapter three. So, as the light reveals sin, we have one of two options: either we accept the truth, we accept that there's sin in our lives, or we deny it. Okay. First John. Uh, Chapter 1, verse 8. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. So, the truth is the truth, whether we admit it or not. Right? I could tell you guys that I actually live in Spain, and I just flew in for today, and then after I'm going back to Spain. And no matter what I tell you, like, you're going to say there's something wrong with that guy. Right? Because, like, who's going to come in from Spain to do a sermon on Sunday and go back to Spain? So the only one I'm fooling is myself, because you guys are going, like, that guy needs some medication. Right? In the same way, when we try to convince one another that we have no sin, the only ones we're fooling are ourselves. Um, and I'm sure you would agree with me. It's so much easier to see sin in somebody else's life than to see sin in your own life. So you're not fooling anybody else. And you're not fooling God. Because God already knows. So all you're doing is deceiving yourself. Right? Well, I forgot to change the passage underneath, but it's it's the right passage, just the uh, underneath the wrong quote. It's actually verse 10. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. So if we tell God, I'm doing okay. I don't have any sin. Then we make God out to be a liar. Um, as we look through the Old Testament, I, I see the Old Testament as a collection of things that don't work. And they're a collection not for God, they're a collection for us. 
Let me explain. Man starts out in paradise. We have everything you could ever imagine. If you like fruits, there's the biggest and the best tasting fruits you could imagine. If you like vegetables, there's all of the best vegetables you could ever imagine. Only one tree. Don't eat from that one tree. That's it. Life was good. It was like a vacation. And yet, we're so dumb, we eat from the tree that we cannot eat from. Then, God takes the people of Israel out of Egypt with a powerful hand. Some people, if if only I had a miracle, then my life would be changed, or then I'd believe. But God took the people of Israel out of Egypt with a powerful hand. And as soon as they get out of Egypt, the first thing they do is sin. Like, explain that one to me. You know, I had a person, when I was pastoring in Cambridge, um, somebody from the church said, hey, my brother, his life is messed up. Can you come and pray for him? So he was laying in the bed, unable to move. Now, this is the first time and so far the last time that this has ever happened to me. So can you pray for him? Like, he's, he's a, a drunk and has all kinds of other problems. So can you come lay hands on him, pray for him, and maybe if God heals him, maybe his life will be changed. So I went, and I prayed for him. When I was done praying for him, he jumps out of the bed. He was, he was bedridden. Jumps out of the bed, hops around the room. Now, I expected that man to be in church every single day for the rest of his life. He went right back to his old ways. Right? Then God gives the people of Israel the laws. Here you go. Here are some rules, guidelines, some commandments. Here, follow these. It didn't work. He sends them godly kings. Didn't work. Well, they obeyed for a little bit and then... um, So everything that God sends their way in the Old Testament didn't work. And to me, it's proof over and over again that nothing God can can do for us will help us except for Jesus. Jesus is the only hope for mankind. And so what we're saying, if we say we have no sins, like, thanks for Jesus, but... And maybe I needed him a little bit in the beginning, but right now I'm doing just fine. Like, I don't really need Jesus. He brings light into our lives to show us, yeah, you really do need Jesus. And you shouldn't forget it. The basis of our fellowship is our fellowship with God. And our fellowship with God, the basis of that is Jesus. It's not how great you are. It's not how many times you've come to church, how much you read the Bible, how many hours you spend in prayer. It's nothing that you've done or that you can do. Our basis is Jesus. And so when you boil it all down, if our basis is Jesus, There's nothing you can do that's going to take you out of the hands of God. 
because your salvation doesn't depend on you. If it could, if it did, you would have lost your salvation a long time ago. It would have been done. But because it's in God's hands and because it is because of Jesus, you are safe and you are secure. So no matter where you stand this morning, maybe you've come this morning and you haven't made a decision and maybe you're wondering. If you hand your life over to Jesus, you will be saved, eternally saved. If you've come this morning and maybe you're saying to yourself, I'm just not sure if there's something I can do that's going to irritate God. One of the most amazing things for me is knowing that when God saved me, he knew all of the stupid stuff I was going to do after he saved me, and he still loved me enough to save me. That, that's what blows my mind. He didn't just know the stuff I had already done. He knew everything that was coming afterward, and he still said, I love you. And if you've had, maybe you've come this morning, and you're having a horrible week. Maybe it's been longer than a week. Maybe it's been a horrible month. You are safe and secure in the hand of Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this time together. But more than that, Thank you for Jesus. Thank you because you did in Jesus, through Jesus, what we could never do. Thank you that you have secured us eternally. And we confess, Father, we have good days, good weeks, we have bad weeks. Father, there's days where we get frustrated with ourselves. But Father, even when we're frustrated, we worship you because we are still safe and secure in your hands. Thank you for loving us that much for paying the ultimate price. And thank you because in Christ you have made us all equal. No one is better. No one is more worthy. All have sinned and fallen short. Father, receive our praise and our thanksgiving. For we worship you. And we do so in the one who has made us worthy. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.